0: Anyway, well, I'm so excited. I, tell you, I just love it when God moves at the start of our service. Uh, it's just so wonderful. I believe that we just need to take time every Sunday and just pause and let God do what He's going to do. Amen. Um, I'm starting a new series today called Stand, and I'm really excited about this series about challenging us in areas that we are in the world today and in our personal lives when it's time to make a stand. And I'm going to take the next few weeks about um, standing up for what's right, standing for what matters, standing against and standing on what's, what's, um, what we can stand with and linking our arms, arms together. But today, I'm gonna, my first teaching is called Stand Out. And I really want to talk about the importance of the church of Jesus Christ that we are standing out in this time. Because if the world's ever needed to see the church or Christians, it's right now. Amen. But I also want to teach you how to stand out and not be weird. I want to teach you how to stand out and not be flaky and not be religious. Because how many know the world doesn't need religion? They already are beat down and defeated. They need to know the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. So we have to know how to share what's in us in Jesus and be in the world but not of it. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But if we make a stand as a church for the things that are right at the right time for the right reason, we will have a change of course in this nation. So if we will stand for the right things, which is right now at the right time, we will see things begin to change. And we need to make a stand in this hour. But also the opposite of that is if we compromise as the church of Jesus for the wrong things, if we're standing for wrong things at the wrong time for the wrong reasons, it will cost us more than we could imagine. And we're living in a time of the world that we do not have time for the church to compromise. We don't have time for the church to be worried and afraid about what other people think about us in our faith and our walk with Jesus Christ. Amen. But we have to be willing to be Christians in this world and let them call you what let them call you what they want, but still walk in the power and the authority that God gave you. And we're going to study about Daniel today. And what I love about Daniel is they called him many things. They called him a sorcerer and a magician, and he didn't care what they labeled him. All he did was walk in the authority that God gave him in his life. And he had so many miracles in his life. And I believe that's what the church wants us to be. And I feel like we need to live that scripture verse that says we need to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Because we can't go screaming at the world and trying to stand up for righteousness by just getting on a pedestal or making a post on Facebook about what we don't think is right and what is wrong and how the church should be and how Christians should be. That is not going to win the world to Jesus. We have to be wise and cunning in this season. Is how can I be among my friends but not be like them but have the wisdom of how to show them this great Jesus that I serve. Amen. We have to change the course of what we're doing from saying nothing at all and looking like the world to just um, you know, being so belligerent and like you need Jesus and fire and brimstone, you're going to go to hell. And, and those are all truths, but they're looking for a relationship. Do you know Jesus was so attractive? Everybody loved Jesus. Everywhere he went, the children thronged him, the people, of the world, the, the, the sinners, they all thronged Jesus. There's something about Jesus that attracts people. And we as the church, when we stand up, we should be putting that Jesus on display. Not rules and regulations and all those things. No, here's Jesus, and when I can show you Jesus, they're going to say, what do you have that I don't have in my life? You may not be perfect because we don't get it right, but there's an attraction. When we know Jesus is in our life, people are drawn to us. They want to know, will you pray for me? When there's a problem, there will be, the, be a beeline to your door because they know that you're really walking with Jesus. Amen. So we're going to talk about this um, in uh, Daniel this morning about King Nebuchadnezzar and many of you I don't know if you know but King Nebuchadnezzar was known as one of the most evil kings um, in in reign um, to this day and he literally destroyed Jerusalem he took down the first temple and he took away everything that the Jewish but excuse me the Gentiles they worshiped God and he came in and destroyed all of them and not only did he destroy the temple but he went in and he took everything out of that temple that was artifacts that meant something to these people and he'd burned them and he would destroyed them or he would hold them as hostage this is the king that these young men were about to go into and so not only did he take these artifacts but he said i want you to give me the best of the land go find me the best looking and the wisest in the land and i want you to bring them into the babylonian culture Now, what I want you to see is I believe we are clearly living this time where the world and media is really going after our generation, after the next generation, to try to bring them out of their worship of God, their knowing of God, the way that they were raised in the word of God and raised in the church of Jesus Christ. And the world is pulling the church and the generation into the Babylonian culture. Not the first time it's happened, happened here, and it's happening right now. The world, the Babylonian culture of the world is seeping into the mentality of the church. And this is where we see this on display. So he called these young boys in and said, I'm going to teach them our way. I'm going to teach them how they should think. I'm going to teach them the culture of the Babylonian culture. We're going to try to remove all the identity of Yahweh out of them. And we're going to put the culture of the Babylonian, why? So that the devil can, can steal the future of the church. The future of the church. So if you can get the young people, which is what the devil is going after so hard right now, not just us adults, but the young generation, the devil is fighting hard for them because they're a generation that will rise up for such a time as this. They will have boldness and courage like the church has never seen before. And so these four young men were drawn in. He said, if I can destroy, if I I will destroy your future by taking the best of your best. See, the devil wants to destroy the future of the church by taking the very best out. Amen. So let's look at Daniel 1, verse 3. It says this. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. He brought in these four men who grew up knowing God, loving God, knowing the laws of God, the culture of God, the worship of God. And he said, I want to rewrite who they are. Verse 5, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. What I want you to see here is the government at that time was very intentional to indoctrinate these young boys. Intentional. We are living in a time where the spirit of this world, this is not, listen, hear me, it's not Democrat or Republican, it's not about any sitting president, that's not what we're dealing with in the world today. We're dealing with the Antichrist spirit against the church of Jesus Christ. And if I can just drill that in you as the church, that we've got to separate politics, that is just the outward of of divisiveness. Do you understand? you got to look to the root. What is really going on underground? And it is the Antichrist spirit to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And there is an intentionality to steal the next generation. Intentional. To take away the fruit of your children and your children's children. And we have to be wise in this hour as the church of Jesus Christ. We can't just turn our ear and get offended. No, you have to discern by the spirit what's really going on. And you know I'm not a political preacher. I don't believe in that. But there are biblical things that are happening today that aren't political that they've made political. And they're really biblical. That's good. And we have to separate those two. Because if we get confused, we get offended by dealing with biblical things. And you say, well, that's politics. No, It's not. It's biblical. Now, I'm putting together a teaching, so I'm only going to touch this today because I don't believe in just throwing something out there and not really giving you the full of the word of God. But I want to talk about abortion for a minute. And I know that women have had abortions, and God's grace is there. He's so sufficient, and he's healing, and he's restorative, so you can't hear from that. But God is really enlightening things in the spirit today that are really biblical and not natural. And so there's this demonic fight for women's rights for their body, when in reality, if you go back to Scripture, children were always offered to, de- to gods, the worldly gods, to Malak. And so if you open up our eyes to the Spirit, the devil is trying to steal the generation, the birthing of the next generation of the move of God. This isn't about a right to our bodies. We have to separate that. We have to see that the devil wants to steal the identity of the sons of God and the daughters of God. And the government is fighting hard to put this agenda when that's not what it is. We have to see God protecting our children, protecting this generation, and having a voice to say, I'm not going to accuse you for what you've done. Let's talk about it. Let's have it wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. We should be able to talk about sexuality with one another without being offended and say, let's go to the word of God and allow them to talk back to you. Allow you to share the word to them. Have a conversation because you're never going to win them by saying, that's wrong. And it isn't your right in your body. Well, how does that win people? If you can take somebody through the word and show them back in history where well, the devil just wants the babies, that's really what that spirit is. And, of course, there's physical things and there's things that the woman, if the woman has to be chosen between the baby, yes, there are things. So just put all those excuses behind me as you listen today, okay? Because I believe in that. I believe the mother should be protected and all of that. But I'm talking about this spirit that women are raging right now. I can kill my baby. I can kill, I'll kill seven of them. I'll kill ten of them. It's this ungodly, unrighteous spirit that's in the world today. And the church, well, it's their choice. No, it's not. It's not their choice because that's the devil's choice. That's what the devil wants, amen? The devil wants the children. Matter of fact, the satanic church, and I showed you this months ago, they are legally trying to allow abortions at their altar in their churches because it's their religious belief. That is modern day sacrifice of babies to the devil. And the church is like, oh, I don't wanna get involved. I don't wanna make a stand. I don't wanna hurt their feelings. Well, you better hurt their feelings in love. You better tell the truth in love. If we as the church cannot find the truth of what we believe and share it in love, we have missed the mark. And that's why the world is tunneling so fast out of control. Do you feel it? I feel like, where's the church today? We have abdicated ourselves from every place, every place of position. That we don't even have a voice in these arenas because we've gotten so religious That we're afraid to hang out with the lost, not be like the lost, but hang out with them so we can be a living example to them and win them to Jesus Christ. The church needs to make a stand. And I'm going to do a whole teaching on it, but I know the Lord wanted me to touch that today. Because it's spiritual. And if there's a guilt or a feeling you feel, we just pray that the love and grace of God releases you from that. Because there is no guilt in that. There are things that we have done that we make mistakes that we don't have a full understanding in. But now we can come into the truth and we can give that truth away. Amen. Amen. You look at uh, cross-dressers who need help and they need Jesus. And they need hope. But what they've done is they've gone to our little babies in in kindergarten and in first grade. And they're bringing these children into the bars. And they're dancing sexually in front of these little babies. And they're dancing on poles and on chairs. We need to wake up. And even parents that don't have, they're they're so blinded by love and everybody should be equal that they don't understand they are destroying and perverting a young generation. And then they tell these little babies, you come up and try it. So these little babies, they're dancing on poles and they're dancing sexually on chairs. And and the Bible says in Solomon, don't awaken passion before it's time. Why? Because it's perverted before it's time. It's perverted. A five-year-old don't need to be exposed to sexuality. They should be learning ABCs, one, two, three. They should be brought into the church We should open up our home and have daycares and bring the neighborhood kids in. Let's get church out of the four walls. And let's bring it to the world where they need this message that don't be afraid. No, Jesus loves you and I'm here. They are lost without Jesus. That's the number one problem. Forget sexuality. Forget all of that. Do they have Jesus? And if you can shine and be attractive about Jesus and get them born again, God will deal with the rest. And don't put God on a time frame from when you think somebody should be delivered. You love somebody all the way through to their freedom, however long that it takes. Amen? But if they don't have Jesus, they are hopeless. And they're letting our children, our babies be exposed. And so a confusion of their sexuality. Well, yes, this made me feel a certain way. Well, yeah, it did because God put a sexuality in us. But if it's not developed in the right way, it can be confusing. And that's why the kids in school today are so confused about their sexuality. They're trying everything across the, across the book. Why? Because every TV show tells them they can. Every little movie, every little music. I turned my, my goddaughters many years ago now, but she wanted to watch something that all the kids are watching in school. And I said, well, honey, I need to watch it first before you watch it. Thank God. The opening scene of this show that all the kids watch, it's a, it's a weekly show, was two boys having sex. And you wonder why these kids struggle with their identity. is because their sexuality was opened. And yes, that made them feel a certain way, but it doesn't mean they identify with it. They don't understand it. We have got to wake up. And we can't look down and say, hey, we shouldn't have all those pronouns. And we should, Yes, that's all confusing. But we have to come in as the church and love them and gingerly get in their lives and show them Jesus. Because when you have Jesus, they are drawn to you. But if we are pointing, saying you need to do this, they will never come to Jesus. Because they don't understand. They don't have a revelation like we understand. They don't know Jesus like we know Jesus. But if the church is afraid to make a stand, then we let people be lost and dying and broken. Because we think, well, it's not my place. Well, it is our place. I love them enough to make it my place. I love you enough to have hard conversations with you talk to you about Jesus, talk to you. And that's why, you know, Wednesday nights, we're bringing back our, Bible, our Wednesday night program. We're gonna, I'm gonna, listen, I'm gonna equip you how to answer these conversations. I know it's hard. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with it in your school? How do you train your children to deal with it? I passionately wanna equip you to do that, but we have to receive it and say, God, I will take the knowledge of the word and I will stand up for what's right in this hour or we're gonna lose a generation to the world. And you know what? It is slip-sliding so fast that I feel like it's out of control. I'm like, Holy Spirit, how do we stop this? The grace and mercy of God is how we stop it. And by challenging the church and empowering the church that it's okay to stand up for truth. Amen. So they were intentional to indoctrinate them according to the Babylonian culture. They wanted to teach them how to think, how to behave. I won't get through all of this today, but that's okay. Everything. They they are full-on attack to seduce to lie to deceive amen the enemy wants to disregard the teachings of the one true God and the world's been like subtly diluting the word of God because we have perverted grace well I love them so why would God do that yes we do but that's perverted grace true grace loves them unconditionally amen We can't sway from the word of God, the one way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ, the son, Jesus. And there's power in his name. There's love in his name. There's healing in his name. You don't have to know a thousand scripture verses, just Jesus. Do you feel the peace and the blanket just by Jesus? We have to call on the name of Jesus. The devil wants to make it seem like he's all-powerful. If you're on Netflix, every show is, is supernatural demonic power. Everything. And the world is so far ahead of mentoring our children than the churches. That is so scary. That is so scary to me. We have to be smart to what's happening in this world. Amen? Amen. We cannot have victory over darkness unless we are willing to make a stand for Jesus. So let's keep going. Let's see. Ephesians 6.11 says this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the devil. What does God want the church to to do? Get armed and ready. Get on the helmet of salvation. Get on your breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and the shield of faith. God, if you want to make a stand in this world, you better be armed and ready because the spirit of the world is going to come against you. And religious people may want to come against you, but you have to be willing to stand strong against the schemes of the devil. Therefore, verse 13, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. How are Christians going to survive in this hour? Standing up for the full word of God. After you have done everything to stand, what are you going to do? I'm going to stand some more. Christians are going to be persecuted in this hour. It's okay. They may call you a lunatic, a fanatic, crazy. It's okay. It don't matter what you call me. I'm going to stand and see the salvation of the Lord. We're going to see revival in America and revival around the world. There are people teaching the rapture. We're going to get out of here. There are people teaching doom and gloom, and I don't see that in my spirit. I see the church rising like it's never risen before. I see a move of God on the horizon that's going to shake heaven and hell, I'm going to tell you, God's going to win this battle. Woo! He's already won, and he's just waiting for the church to stand up and go, here I am, God. We need to get in order, church. We need to take our place. We need to get in the prayer sessions. We need to get in Wednesday nights. Get in the groups we prepared for you. Get ready for what God's about to do. As I promise you, if you don't, you'll be standing on the outside looking in. God doesn't want his church to blend in. He wants us to stand out. Number one, my point, people may try to change your name, but they can't take away your faith and power of God. (laughs) They can't take away your faith and power of God. Let them call you what they want. Let them call you whatever, legalistic, mean, cruel, whatever it is. It don't matter. Why? Because I have the power of God in me. Okay, let's look at verse uh, 6 with Daniel. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. They're going to change two things about them. The chief officials gave them new names. To Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach and to Azariah Abednego. I talked about this earlier. The devil wants to change the identity of the no. church. He wants to wipe out everything that is connected to who we are. Took these young boys out of everything they knew a thousand miles away. They were junior and senior high kids. They are just kids. And pulled them out. And he wanted to take away and strip them of everything they knew in Christ. So the first thing they did is said, we're going to change your name. Take away everything that you worship because their names identified God. Names identified, they were labeled by their true God that they worship. He said, let's take away their name so that they can't remember who they are. Strip them of their identity and of their belief system. The second thing he said, let's change their diet. Let's change their food. What you have to understand is when they would prepare food in those days, they would prepare it in preparation that was dedicated to the pagan gods. And what I love about this is Daniel did not fight for his identity. Let's look at this next verse in 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, And he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself this way. He didn't stand up and say, hey, I am a son of God. I am Yahweh. I'm a man of God. How dare you try to get me to eat the food of the world? How dare you? He didn't do that. He didn't identify by his name because he said, you can call me anything you want, but I know my God. I know my God. But the one thing he did protect is when those foods were given to God, he said, but I will stand up for God. I will stand up for my Yahweh. I will make a right to stand, not for myself, but for my God. Amen? So Daniel made that stand. He says, I'm not going to compromise or rationalize where I'm at right now. And when, when he went into this brand new world, he had every opportunity to eat the delicacies. He had every opportunity to indulge in the wines and all the things that he's never had before. But that scripture verse says, he resolved in his heart... Or another translation says, purpose in his heart. Before Daniel was even tempted by these things to stand up from God, he decided in his heart, I will not be defiled by the king's delicacies. And that means that he prepared in advance. And church, we are going to have to get into places, where are, we, where are our standards in the word of God? We have to prepare in our hearts in advance. I'm not going to bow my knee to the spirits of this world. I'm not going to bow my knee to compromise. I'm not going to bow my knee to a bully that makes me shut my mouth from the truth of the word of God. What's inside of your heart that you need to make a stand on? Because I tell you, if you don't prepare here first, when you get out in the world, it will suck you right down with the world. Because you won't know what you stand for. We need to stand up for Jesus Christ in this hour. And when you make that stand, God's favor will be on you. And it may be difficult. And you may have to tell some family members, I'm changed. I'm different. I love Jesus. I don't talk the same way. I don't drink the same way. And you can call me that I'll never do it. I don't care what you have to say, but I'm going to stand for Jesus. And when you do that, God will be on your side. Amen. You have to make a predetermined resolution. Of who you are in this hour. And what do you stand for and what do you stand against? My second point this morning is: you are, you are in this world, but you're not of it. Yeah. We have to see that clear distinction. First John says this: love, is that the one I wanted? Let me make sure. Yeah, first John. Love, the, not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It doesn't say don't love people. It's the worldly spirit. Keep going. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. Those are of the world. There's a clear distinction of the behavior of a believer and an unbeliever. You are in this world. But not of it. Now we don't separate ourselves from it because who will win this world to Jesus if we're not there? I had a friend of mine, it's an incredible testimony, and he said that him and his wife, they loved Jesus, they were born again, and he worked at a place where all the couples would go out and go drinking and all this kind of stuff, and you know, and talk the way the world talks. And him and his wife sat down and prayed, and they felt like, you know, we could withdraw and never go, or we could go and be a shining light. So they were in the world, but not of it. So they didn't, you know, everybody would order their drinks, but they would just order water. It wasn't religious, but they'd order their water. The talk, or sodas or whatever. The talk was different, but they were showing the love of Jesus. And they would do that, and they would do that, and they would show God's love in a way that was non-religious, but different. And do you know, one by one, every one of those people got saved every one of those lives got transformed because when they had a need, they came to the Jesus that they put on display. I don't judge you. I'm not pointing my finger at you. I love you, but I still have something you need. But if we look like the world and we talk like the world, what are they going to be drawn to? There's no drawing of change or repentance or a need to be different. This is not religion. This is not legalism. This is just putting Jesus on display. It's actually just the opposite, isn't it? And one one he said that to this day, like 20 years later, they're still serving Jesus. You can be in this world, but not of it, amen. amen. Somebody's amen. got to win them to Jesus. Amen. When you look at the story, you think it was a one-time event. Oh, they one banquet. No, they live this every day. Yeah. Every day. They've made a daily decision to live righteous to the laws of God in their heart. So powerful, amen. And so what happened? Daniel decided, listen to this, to speak to the government leaders. You see how the church can be an influence of righteousness and the power of God to change the government? Not by just, oh, we should be, no, infiltrating and being that light of Jesus, amen? And so he went to them, and in Daniel 1, it says, please test your servants for 10 days. He didn't go high and mighty, so please give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had ate the royal food. Do you see the humility that he approached? You know, the Bible says that we're to be a light into the world. You know, um, I think I might even have that scripture verse. Let's read it. Matthew, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, what do they do? Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But what I love about this, and I got this revelation, is The light, when the light comes, it fulfills its purpose, but people don't look to the light. Like, oh, there's the light, right? Oh, that's the mighty light that's changing the darkness. No, what happens is the light just changes the atmosphere. The light pushes darkness back. So when you show up at a family reunion, when you show up at work, when you show up at the don't look to be, well, I'm the shining light for Jesus. No. People aren't looking. You don't ever look into the light. The light just changes the atmosphere. And what's happening in the church today? It's a narcissistic spirit in the church. I'm called by God. I got a calling. I got a ministry. I got a... God's not looking for lights to shine like that, to look to you. He's looking for the light to shine to a city that pushes back the darkness so that people can be healed and delivered and set free. So, the church is so worried about getting some ministry within the church that we aren't letting the light shine outside the church. Isn't that good? Quit worrying about being a super Christian and looked at. No, just show up. You change that atmosphere. People want Jesus the second you walk in the room. Isn't that amazing? Okay. Daniel 1.19 says, The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. None equal. They would have never had anything historic happen, and we know their stories, how they saw visions and interpreted dreams and saw miracles, but none of that influence would have happened in that nation had they not made a stand and taking their stand for Jesus. Amen? We as the church has to be willing to take a stand. Let's stop blending in. Let's stop blending in. Let's stand out. You know why? The world is craving us right now. The world is craving hope. They have no answer Everything in the world tells them everything's going to hell in a handbasket and as fast as it can, but we have the hope of Jesus that says get ready because great things are coming. We have the answer. And even if the world was ending, which I don't believe that it is yet, listen, the devil has always had a counterfeit before the real. This whole display is counterfeit. It's the devil trying to come before his time. It ain't time because the glory of the church has not shown itself. The Bible says that the latter days shall be greater than the former days. We're going to see great days, amen. But church, you've got to get bold. You've got to stand up for righteousness, and you've got to be willing to know your truth. That's why get in, get in, rooted. If you don't really know your faith, it's okay. Get in rooted. Find out, amen. How can I get up here and boldly say things that are difficult to say? Do you think the things I said today were easy to say? No. Because I love people just like you. You want to get up here and preach? Just kidding. He knows. Matthias is in with, he's there. He's winning people to Jesus. But I'm just saying, telling the truth is uncomfortable. But there's also something freeing about it. Because it's liberating. They go, oh, I can have hope. You mean this darkness, though the world may receive me and I go home dark and depressed and want to kill myself? There's an answer to that? Yes. And it may be a little journey, but let, let me take you by the hand and take you to celebrate freedom and let's find healing together. Let's find freedom together. Because I'm telling you, there are thousands of people being freed from the addictions of this world and not just drugs. And I'm talking about sexual identity crisis, people are finding freedom. Not because we're attacking people. It'd be if it was drugs, addiction, pornography. It doesn't matter. It's anything that goes against the identity of Christ. We have to get Jesus in there. You see the difference? I'm not not preaching hate. This is love, and this is the truth, and this is freedom. And this is really what the world wants. Amen? All right, Father God, I thank you today for this awesome church. I thank you for what you're doing here at Faith Builders Church with these people in this community. God, we are a church that will make a stand in this hour. We will be bold. We will be courageous, Father God. We will not be afraid of the truth, worried about what people think or what they may call us, Father God. Hallelujah. You will cover us. If you're here today, and you know we always close our services like this, but maybe you really need to give things to Jesus really give your heart to the Lord maybe you've been backslidden and you've just been coming back to church but you really haven't made that strong commitment back to the Lord let's do that today amen let's just say Jesus I'm here again Jesus arms are wide open for you maybe there was something in my message that you're like oh I didn't like that that's okay take it home talk to the Lord about it Find the word of God. I'm not asking to change your mind this 30 minutes that I have you, but let it challenge our belief system, amen? Let it challenge us a little bit. Those things that make us matter, probably the things God really is calling us to step into because that's usually the case. But I want to give everyone the opportunity. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Forgive me for hiding my light under a bushel. I want to shine for you, and I receive that assignment today with boldness and courage. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning. I love you guys. Celebrate Freedom starts Thursday night. Get in that group. It'll change your life. Not only will the the meetings, but the relationships and the friendships that you'll make from that. Rooted's coming in September. Get in that group. If I can please beg you, get in Rooted. It's so powerful and life-changing. And then Wednesday night's coming up. Oh, right away, really quick. July, Wednesday, 1st July and Wednesday, we're doing um, 1st Wednesday's prayer. Okay, so 1st Wednesday, July. And then I'll give you the announcement of when we're starting our midweek Bible college, okay? All right, love you all so much. Let's welcome Pastor